It is a good morning. Good morning to worship the Lord and uh, share his word and to be together. Um, for those of you who are watching online and in your cars and under the pop-ups today, I'm glad you're here. We're, um, we're sharing, uh, we've been doing this study in the book of Jonah. Last week we started it. Um, it's, it's, I feel the timing is just right. It's like God had or, has orchestrated things. And last week we, we talked from Jonah. We talked about running from God and how Jonah, you know, is a great symbol of that as he ran from God's call in his life and, and he went the other direction and, and it cost him much more than if he would have just obeyed the Lord, which is always the case in our lives when we run from God. There's, uh, there's more cost not only to the kingdom, but there's cost to us in doing that. And, uh, and, and yet, God is so gracious and, uh, and forgiving. And uh, I guess one of the things we learned from Jonah is, you know, Jonah was a missionary as well as a prophet, but he wasn't a very good one, you know. And yet, he, um, God ended up using him greatly. And even though he had ran from God, um, God didn't run from him. God didn't give up on him. And God doesn't give up on us. And if you today have any inclination that God has given up on you because of something you've done in your past, uh, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past is. God hasn't given up on you. So stop giving up on yourself. Start realizing that God wants to use you. God has a future. He has a purpose for you. He created you with a purpose. He has no plan B. He only has plan A for you. And so, um, you know, there's, there's no reason to keep walking down or running away from God or running down, you know, some alternative plan because God hasn't, won't, won't, uh, won't have an alternative plan. He has just one. And it was a plan he originally had when he thought of you and created you and gave you purpose. So follow that and you'll find purpose in your life. You'll find what you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be in your life. We take a look at, um, at Jonah. And uh, the story um, is really not about, and you might get this impression, that the story is somehow about Jonah. And it's not. Maybe you think it's about the great fish, the whale. Uh, you were taught that, right? Veggie Tales says that the whale is the most important thing, but the Word of God actually doesn't. And it's not about Nineveh. It's about God. In fact, God is mentioned in the book of Jonah um, 30, I think it's 38 times, and, and, uh, and tw almost three times as often as the name Jonah is actually mentioned. And uh, because the center, the focus, is what God is doing. And Jonah is just the tool that God is revealing um, his will and his purposes to us about. Today we find Jonah in a tight spot. Uh, we ended last week with, uh, with um, Jonah... Chapter 1 and verse 17, where it says, The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Now, this, this is where 
um, you'll find people, you know, kind of criticizing the Bible, criticizing, you know, and saying, yeah, well, how can that happen? That's impossible. This huge fish swallows Jonah. What huge fish can do that? Well, actually, James Bartley would um, disagree with you. James Bartley was actually in the, the, the early 1900s. He, um, he was a, a center figure, actually. He, he was swallowed by a sperm whale. And when they found him, he was alive. The sperm whale had died as a result of swallowing him. Um, and, but he was alive. And then when they, caught the, when they got the whale... They opened it up, and uh, James Bartley was in it. He was blind. Um, it had, it had um, done, done tremendous damage to his body, but he survived, and he recovered. And eventually he did die, and when he died, uh, on his tombstone, it read, it read um, James Bartley, the modern-day Jonah. And uh, so there was, that actually happened, but... But there's more to this story than, than that because we don't even know if it is a whale that James Bartley was, I mean, that uh, Jonah was swallowed by. The, the scripture says it was a fish, and this, and this fish was provided by, and the, this fish was, was God-ordained. God actually made this fish for Jonah. So we don't even know what kind of fish it is, but whatever kind of fish it is, it was made by, by God for, for Jonah. So it might be a one-of-a-kind fish. God might have made that fish specifically, a kind of fish that, that was made for Jonah. Maybe I think it was probably fit just for Jonah. The stomach was just the right size for Jonah, enough that he could live or survive there and enough and not big enough that he had much room he was he was tight in the belly of the fish and he was in this tight spot for a purpose god didn't want to give him any leeway god had a purpose for the fish and it's interesting because it says that um that jonah was in the belly of the fish for 3 days and Three nights. It was specific. God had him in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights specifically. He could have had him in the belly of the fish for four days or two days or one day. Or he could have done, but he didn't so it would, because there was a greater purpose even in the story. Jesus would bring this up about what would happen to him when he would die and he would be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. In fact, Jonah has an antitype, if you would, of Jesus in some ways. You know, as Jonah was running from God, he ended up in the belly of the fish. As Jesus was running toward the purposes of God, he died on purpose so that he would be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth so that he could redeem mankind. And so Jonah is in the belly of the fish, and God puts Jonah there because it's kind of for a season going to be Jonah's prayer closet, right? The, the belly of the fish is an opportunity to get focused for Jonah. And it is for you and me as well. If you've ever been in that tight spot, and I'm sure you have, you've been in tight spots in your life. And those tight spots 
are, time, are seasons in our life that cause us to actually have to focus on God. There's nowhere else to go. We get in these spots in our life where, there's, where, where we really have no other choices of what we can do. We're limited in our abilities and what we can do to fix whatever you know, tight spot we're in. And because we're in that tight spot and we can't fix it on our own, it is just the only solution to us. And it shouldn't be the only option when we come to God, but it is oftentimes the case. And so we come to God at those seasons, and God is able to work into our lives and do things in our lives that he can't do any other time when we have, have other options. And, those, and so God brings us into these tight places, and that's really what I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about praying in tight spots, in tight places. And in chapter uh, 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah pray just say that Jonah prayed he you know just kind of nodded somebody and say he prayed he prayed yeah he prayed he prayed to the Lord his God from his fish belly from the fish's belly now I don't don't confuse God's provision with his punishment don't confuse God's provision with his punishment the fish was not his punishment. It was his provision. If it wasn't for the fish, Jonah would have died. He was thrown in the ocean, and he had no hope of surviving in that storm. The fish was survival for Jonah. The fish was provision for Jonah. The fish, the fish was a provision for his body, his soul, and his spirit. God would use this provision that looked like punishment, maybe, that, that appeared somewhat like punishment as a provision for bringing Jonah to a greater place and the right place and writing his spiritual life, writing his relationship with God. It would bring him to that right place in his life. And, and so, so it's, better, it's better sometimes that we pray in our prayer closet but sometimes the only place for us is in our prayer, you know, in the, the, the tightness, in those tight spots of prayer. So for Jonah, if he, maybe if he would have prayed in his prayer closet more, he might not be in this belly. But either way, God has his way of working in, in Jonah's life. And so... I want to take a look at three things in, in Jonah's prayer. We're going to read his prayer. And I want to look at three things that, that will help us to pray in tight spots. When we're in tight spots, how do we pray? Now, obviously, it doesn't just mean we pray like this in our tight spots. It certainly works in any other season of our life as well. But this is what you want to do uh, as Jonah did in his tight spot. The first thing is he had passionate prayer. Because passionate prayer leads to breakthrough. Now, the scripture says, he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my aff affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and, and you heard my voice. Don't you see, he's crying out. Twice it's mentioned in the scripture, I cried out to God. This is a passionate prayer. A passionate prayer. He's, he's, he's crying out because, see, he has no hope. There's no other place. He has to cry out to God. Now, I don't want to say that every prayer has to be this great, passionate prayer for, for God to hear you, 
right? I mean, you don't have to be going, oh, Lord, I pray you, will you please, please bless my french fries before I eat them. And please, oh, Lord, that double-double, just put your hand and up around it and protect it as I can. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have to be passionate like that in every single prayer. But the, 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 the fervent prayer, the passionate prayer, James 5 says, avails much. There, there, th this, this kind of prayer gets the attention of God. It, 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 when, when we cry out to God, the, the broken and contrite heart, the scripture says, the Lord will not despise. He hears the heart of the brokenhearted, and he, he responds as we call out to him. And Jonah's, had, Jonah's passionate prayer touched the heart of God as he was praying, and God was waiting for him. Now, this passionate prayer leads us to the second thing, and that is Jonah's prayers were precise. See, it says in verse 3, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. The flood surrounded me. All your billows, your waves passed over me. What I want you to see in this whole text as we're reading it, that Jonah not only prayed precision prayers, but he prayed biblical prayers. Four times in this prayer of Jonah, he actually is pulling it from previous scripture in Psalms. When he was a young, young boy, he probably grew up singing the Psalms with the rest of the Hebrews. And they would sing songs of praise and worship. They would read the Psalms, the Psalms of David and so forth. And, and so in, in every, as he's praying... What is coming out of his soul is what has been put into his soul. And that is the word of God. So he is praying the word of God. Let me, and, and, and it's not always exactly word for word, but you can see that that's where he got it from. Let me, let me just show you a few of them here in, in contrast. The, the, the verse we just read in verse 2 where it says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and heard my voice. Psalms 30 in verse 3, David has said, O Lord, you brought my soul out, uh, my soul up from the grave. That's Sheol, the place of, of, of the dead. You, you have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Doesn't that sound like the same thing? In fact, um, in, in, uh, in, in verse number 3, and verse... Verse number three, where it says, for you cast me into the deep, into the, the, the heart of the sea, the floods surround me, all your billows and your waves pass over me. In Psalms 42, 7, the deep calls unto deep. It, it, in the roar of your white waterfalls, all your waves and, and breakers have swept over me. You see that he's pulling from these Psalms, things that, that he has prayed, and now he is praying it. It's coming out of his soul. Uh, verse 5, it says, Waters surround me, even to my soul. The deep closed around, around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Verse 69, Psalm 69, 1, it says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come upon, up to my neck. I sink in the mari depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. So what is coming out of his soul? That's why it's so important that we ha are in God's word on a regular basis. 
That, that's why these gatherings, when we come and we worship the Lord and, and we sing the psalms and we sing songs unto the Lord, and many of these songs that we sing are right from the scripture, and we sing these psalms, these songs as to put things in our heart. We, we study God's word to get these things in our heart because when we're in tight places, we need to pray God's word. We need to, to have out of our soul come the things that we place in our soul when we're in need of God at those specific times to call upon God in, in those difficult places in our life, that we have those things. See, Jonah actually had these things. He was a prophet of the Lord, and, and, and he had served the Lord. And, and he began to, to speak and to pray in specific ways. Now, precise prayers, see... If you have precise worries, you cannot bring generic prayers to God. If you have, if, if you have, you know, your worries are precise, precise, generic prayers won't work. See, if you have specific worries, you need to bring specific prayers to God. You know, just God bless everybody doesn't really do much. And I think sometimes we get into that kind of mode. Lord, bless my family, bless my church, bless my neighbors, bless my friends, you know, those kinds of things. We just kind of do these bless me prayers. The, the problem is with those kind of generic prayers, we never know if God actually answers them. You know, we, we need to, to pray specific prayers that when they're answered, we go, thank you. We know God answered those prayers, those specific prayers. And, and when, you're in, when you find yourself in a place, especially in, a, in, in, a, in those tight places, you tend to, because of the tight places, you tend to start being more specific about your prayer. But, folks, that's the way it should be all the time, really. I, um, we have a, a, a close friend of ours, Carol and I. Um, she's uh, uh, one of our pastor friends. Uh, She's the wife of uh, one of our pastor friends, and um, they've been going through a real difficult time. She, uh, um, she's in, in the hospital. She's, uh, she's actually been put on ventilator. Uh, a couple days ago, we had got the news that she was in, taken to the hospital. She was, uh, she was not in good shape and because of COVID, and, and uh, then day before yesterday, um, we got news that they had put her in ICU. They had put her on the ventilator. And as you know, that's not a good place. And, uh, and our prayers. See, our prayers, let me tell you how our, we didn't pray. We didn't just pray, Lord, bless her. Oh, no. No, we were praying, Lord, Lord, heal her body. Lord, heal her lungs. Lord, we pray that you give wisdom to the doctors that are making decisions. Father, we pray that you bring her out so that she doesn't have to be in the ventilator anymore. That her oxygen levels will, will increase, Father, we pray. And we pray, Father, that Lord, whatever is a hindrance, we pray against the work of the enemy against her, Lord. We, we come against the sickness and we curse it against her in Jesus' name. See, you don't pray those kind of generic, Lord, bless them prayers. You pray specific things at those moments. And they're actually, it's teaching us how we're supposed to pray. We pray specifically. We pray in detail for the things we're praying for. And yesterday morning, we got the news that she was sitting up watching TV with her ventilator. So all of a sudden, you know, the, there's a turnaround. And they told us this morning the doctors were in a come and see if they can take her off the ventilator now. 
Listen, folks. Yes, and we're, right, thank God. You know, but there's a ton of people praying, right? Their church is praying, and many people are praying. All of our friends are praying. But, but when we're praying, we're praying with those kind of specific issues. So now what do we go? Well, we look at all the things that God did. We said, thank you, Lord. You answered those prayers. You did that. You made that happen. Because these are the specific prayers we're asking unto the Lord. Our prayers sometimes fall into this kind of generic prayer. Because why? We're, we're, we're not we're not worried or we're not frantic or we're not, you know, things are going well and so we don't really have time to really do much intercessing, intercessory and praying for others. But those are the times we actually need to just as much. Our prayer commitment should not diminish when everything's going well. We should pray with the same kind of fervency and passion in prayer as we're praying for others as when we're having we're praying for only those that you know are are closest to us or ourselves in prayer we have a, have this privileged place with God you have a privileged place a privileged position as a child of God as you pray that God hears you in that privileged place cannot be ignored and cannot be that's your calling too just as Jonah had his calling, you have a call. We're priests unto God. We should be pressing in in prayer on behalf of others passionately and, and with fervency as we're praying and praying specifically for those, not just those who are in desperate need, but as we see people and God gives us insight into their lives and we pray for them and we believe God to touch them. We pray for the, the lost specifically for breakthrough in their life, for salvation and, and, and all of that. These are the things that we as children of God are called to. This is our power. Our, powers, our power of prayer is even much more powerful than our power, our power to vote. And I value voting, and I value us, you know, taking concern about what's going on in our political world. But let me tell you, your vote is not nearly as powerful as your prayer. And we have to take, take this to heart as children of God that, that just as we pray in the pit, we, you know, or we pray in the belly of, of the whale, we pray, pray in those, you know, tight spots that we pray the same way when we're not in those tight spots. That we pray with compassion. We, we, we pray with empathy. We start to feel for the others that we're praying for. That's how as we identify with the hurts of others. Jesus did that. Jesus moved, was moved with compassion. When he came upon people who were hurting and broken and needy, the Bible says over and over again that Jesus moved with compassion. And we have to be, allow the Holy Spirit to move with us with compassion for those. And stop always focusing on us. Sometimes we get so caught up in some of the most minor concerns in our life. And they become the big thing. And there are people who have so many more concerns. And it's not that, we should, we, that God ignores our concerns. But sometimes they overwhelm us so much that all we think about is our concerns. And we're not really caring and, and considering what God wants to do through us to touch other people. And the Holy Spirit wants to do great things today. This is a great season for the church right now to make a difference in this world. And uh, so, 
Jonah goes on and he says, then, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward my, your holy temple. The waters surround me, even to my soul. The deep clothes around me, weeds are wrapped around my head. He says, um, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. There's two, two uh, phrases in here that have caused some theologians to believe that Jonah actually died when he was in the belly of the fish. That he actually died and was revived. One was the, the, that phrase there in, in verse 2 where it says, out of the belly of Sheol. That's the place of the dead, he says. And the other one is this text right here that, that he was... That, that he had come to that place. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went out to you into the holy temple. So he has this, um, this the appearance of that he's, you know, possibly actually was praying in Sheol, that he was praying in the place of the dead, and God revived him. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I just am telling you that that if that was, it makes it, you can even see more of the similarities of Jesus being three days and three nights in the belly of the earth and then uh, Jonah actually dying in the belly of the fish. But we don't know that for sure. It says, but what you do see here in verse 7, I love his, his faith. He says, when my soul fainted with me, in me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to the Lord into your into your holy temple. So what happened? Instead of just being overwhelmed, he, he did the right thing. He went to prayer. And here's the point I want to bring to you. I want you to get this one. Take this one home with you. He feels helpless, but he is far from hopeless. I want you to take this home with you. Don't ever confuse helplessness with hopelessness. Because you see, there are many times in our life we will be helpless. You cannot fix it. You can muscle up all you want, but you know that you're in a situation that there is nothing you can do about it. Nothing that you yourself can do about it. Well, my sister in the Lord is in that hospital bed, and there is nothing she can do about it. She can't fix anything. She can't work. She can't make it happen. I've been in that place many times in my own life, and probably you have too. That there's, there's nothing you can do about it. But because you're helpless, you're not hopeless. And, and Jonah was not hopeless at this point because he was helpless. He turned to the right place. God gives us hope when we're helpless. In fact, sometimes God does his best work when we ourselves are, are helpless that God in fact steps in at that point because we're not hopeless without God you will never be hopeless without God as long as you have God in your life you're not hopeless no matter what your situation is no matter what you cannot do to fix your situation in your life I feel like there's a lot of people in that place right now right I mean, a lot of people, a lot of us are in that situation. What's gone on in, you know, with this uh, COVID and so forth. Some of us are finding ourselves jobs-wise, you know, uh, you know financial-wise, there are things that we're limited, and there's a lot of limitations of what we can, can do and can't do. Some of us 
are more than others in situations that we have no place, nothing that we can accomplish on our own to change the situation. But we're not hopeless. And if you're not hopeless, uh, God can do great things. If you're not hopeless, you can have faith. You can anticipate. You can believe God. You can believe God is going to do great things. Because he's not hopeless in this situation. He says, he says my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. See, he is, he is praying and he's glorifying. And then he says, those who, regard, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Now, what's happening here? Well, I think there's a repentance going on in Jonah. As he's praying, as he's, you know, turning his heart toward the Lord, he's reminded of some things. Maybe there's been some idols that have gotten into his life. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, you know a, a, a statue idol or a false god kind of thing. I'm talking about the kind of idols that get into, in your life, between you and God. Maybe in his situation, it was his anger. Maybe it was his hatred toward in fact, these people that God had called him to actually go and preach to. Um, but whatever it is, it was things that was in his life that was more important than God. The, the thing that he put first in his life above God. Sometimes we put things in front of God that we, they're, they're actually not bad things. You can put things that are actually good, things that God wants to bless you with, in the wrong place in your life. I mean, I've seen this happen even, I've seen this happen in church. I've seen people who have placed their family above God in their life. And I don't know where we got this idea that family first over God. It's not, a, a Christian never puts anything over God. God is first and foremost. That is our priorities. And sometimes I've seen family members put that in. I've seen them put their children over God. In fact, they'll make decisions that will hinder their Christian, their, their relationship with God, but because they want to, in fact, please their children. Or sometimes it's the, themselves, but they're, they put everything, bef they put their things, and these are good things. In fact, the opposite should be the case. When we put God first, our family is the most blessed as a result of us putting God first. But we put other things in front of, of God, and Jonah, in, now in this tight spot, he starts to evaluate, which is something that happens to us. That's why I say that that fish is a blessing from God. That fish is an opportunity. That fish is the opportunity to bring Jonah to the place in which he starts actually evaluating his life and seeing what are the things that are the most in, in greatest pri priority in his life. And he calls out about these worthless idols. And he says this, that if they regard these worthy idols, the idols, they forsake their own mercy. They, they, their own mercy. God wants to bring mercy. But he, I see this in two things. There's two elements to this. They forsake their own mercy and they for, you know, forsake the mercy of God. What is, what is the problem that has happened with Jonah? Well, he has a problem with God's mercy forgiving the Ninevites. He doesn't want to go preach to them because he knows God might be merciful to them. He has also forsaken his own mercy. He doesn't have mercy toward them. God's going to show them in the next chapter, show him, show him in the next chapter about this in more detail. But the fact is, this is what's happened as Jonah has placed idols in his life. We get mercy and grace. We, we get it confused. We get it 
mixed up. We put it in the wrong place when we don't have, in fact, God in his rightful place. And that's what was happening with Jonah. Now, it's, it, verse 9 says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I love his faith here. He says, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm, in fact, he's looking beyond the fish. He's still in the fish. But he's looking beyond. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give praise to the Lord. And, and I'm going to do it with thanksgiving. I'm going to have a heart of thanksgiving. And that brings the last part of the prayer. And that is this. The third thing about praying in, in tight spaces is praise-filled prayers. That you want your, 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 you want your prayers to be praise-filled filled because as you're praising the Lord as you're thankful to God in your prayer as that is happening you're being put into the rightful place remember praise worship all these things that God commands of us they're not really for God they're for us I mean really does God need you to praise him I mean I think he'll be just fine if you never praised him the rest of your life if you never gave him another thank you that he deserves I think God would live the rest of eternity just fine. I don't think it's going to, I, I mean, I think he desires for you to do it, but I think he desires for you to be thankful and praise, and praise him because of what it does for us. That's more important to him than what it does to him. Does God need anything? No. He desires relationship. He desires our love and that we would love him and we, he loves us. But folks, these things are for us. You thank God. You don't thank God so because you benefit from thanking God. And that's the dilemma that's there. I, I don't go, Lord, I thank you because you're going to bless me now that I thank you. That, that's not why we do it. The motive behind it is that he deserves, thank, he deserves our thanks and our praise and so forth. So we give it to him that he deserves it. But you still know that when you do, it writes you. It puts you in the right place so that you can, you can receive from the Lord. I think the next statement that he makes actually kind of supports that. He says, I will pray, pay what I have vowed. So as he's getting right with the Lord, in, I believe this is, a, this is a repentant portion of prayer, that as he's doing that, now what's happening is he's starting to think of the things that he said he was, he told God he was going to do, but he hasn't followed through. How many times have we done that? Jonah was a prophet of God. I'm sure at some point in, as God, as he was following God, he said to, to God, I will do, Lord, whatever you ask me to do. You ask it, I'll do it. I believe that's what God would have him say and respond to, and I think that's what he did. He said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Have you ever said that to God? Lord, I'll just do whatever you ask. If you ask me, I'll do it. I'm yours, Lord. I'm your servant. I follow you. I choose you above everything else. You're first in my life. But then as Jonah's in this tight spot, he recognizes he didn't do that. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. He, he needed to respond to God that he didn't follow through. Have you made those statements to God? God, I'll, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to start reading my Bible because I know that you want me to know your word. And I, I'm going to start doing that. I, I, I make a commitment. Or I make a commitment, God. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray for people. Or I make this commitment, God. I'm going to give. I'm going to be sacrificial in my giving. I'm going to be faithful tither. I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do it. And you were touched by the Holy Spirit at a time. And you responded. But you didn't have to. But you did. And at that point, if you don't follow through, I really believe that there are some things that have hindered our life because we have not followed through with the commitment or the covenant that we've made. We've, we've either made with others or we've made with God. And we have not followed through with that covenant. And we pay the price for that in our life. And repentance says, God, Lord, forgive me. And I will. I'm going to follow through. I, I'm making a decision. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. David said in Psalms 119.68, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. See, Jonah is that, that place. He was, you know, the affliction has caused Jonah to have a repentive heart and to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And then he ends with salvation is of the Lord in the scripture. It really is. Isn't salvation of the Lord? You say amen to that? Salvation is of the Lord. Yes, it is. It's of the Lord. Then the last verse, it says this. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And I just love this portion of scripture. This is one of my favorite. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Don't you love that? That, just, that, that imagery is just perfect. You know, here's Jonah. He's vomited on the dry land. And we don't know what he looked like, but we know he didn't look so good, right? And some say that his skin might have been bleached from being in the, in the fish. And he, you know, his hair's wild and he's vomit and smells bad. And, and how can you ignore somebody w walking down the street saying, you know, repent, you're going to all die in, in 40 days, <laughs> You know, you, you, got, you, you might not want to get close to him, but you're not going to ignore him, right? You're going to see, you see that, you're going to listen to exactly to what he says. And so Jonah gets at least on the, and, and this is what you have to see. He doesn't have his heart fully right yet, but he's obeying. He's obeying. And God is going to bring a great work of God not because Jonah even had his heart perfect, but because he said yes to God. Because he said yes. And we have to say yes to God. Sometimes people say, well, my, my motives aren't right yet. I can't really, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't have, my attitude isn't right. I can't. No, just do what God says. And then, you know, yeah, get the attitude right too. But do what God says. Don't make an excuse not to do what God's asking you to do. You know? And just follow through with what the Lord is saying to you. And then I want to close with this. And, and it's this, this, this is what happens. Religious leaders come to Jesus. Matthew 12. And uh, they say, Master, show us a sign. Now, it wasn't because Jesus hadn't shown them signs. They had a lot of signs. They, they, Jesus had done so many miracles. He's raised people from the dead, healed blind people, you know, the lame walk. I mean, people come to, everyone that came to Jesus for healing, Jesus healed. 
lot of miracles, plenty of miracles. He walked on water. He done, you know, let's face it, Jesus had done enough signs. But you know, there's always you always have to have one more. Because if you're a skeptic, there's never enough. And if you choose not to believe, there's never enough. And God is not going to, in fact, submit to your will simply because you have to be proven. And he's not going to submit to your will. He'll, he will only. See, and when Jesus was on earth, he only submitted to the will of the Father. And they wanted him to do another sign. And Jesus is saying, I'll do a sign if the Father wants me to do a sign. But I'm not going to do a sign because you say so. Because it ain't going to make a difference anyhow. Are you going to follow me? And so he says, this is the sign. I want you to know the sign. Whereas Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the earth, in, in the heart of the earth. And then it makes this statement. For the men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with the, this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah was enough to get Nineveh to repent, that evil city. And he says, they will judge you because they repented and someone greater, the Son of God, is preaching to you and you have not repented. My heart breaks for our country. It breaks for America. Because we've had the privilege of hearing the gospel. Our nation has heard the gospel. It's heard it. There's a church on every other corner. I mean, there's, there, there's the internet. You can, you can go anywhere and find the preaching of the gospel. It's on TV this morning. T TV programs all across the country are preaching the gospel. Churches are preaching the gospel. The message, God's word has gone out. And those who have not repented, those who have not turned to the Lord, have no excuse. None. There is no excuse. I, I know some will have arguments, say, well, I don't believe because, you know, this argument or that. Every argument has a counter-argument. The fact is the truth. The Holy Spirit is calling and giving opportunity to everyone to hear the gospel to respond. And you make a choice. And I'm speaking to those of you out that are watching right now on, on the internet and, and those maybe here that you're far from God. And you've not made the choice. And maybe you're saying, you know, I, I just need another miracle. You don't have enough. You haven't seen the, the, the changed lives of Christians around you. You haven't seen the love of God proclaimed, the mercy of God declared. The goodness of God seen you, you. You haven't seen the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Christians who claim they have a personal relationship with God. Not that they just have a religious form. They have a relationship with God. You haven't, you haven't heard of all the miracles that, that is claimed among the believers around the world. There are so many that ha can say, I had miracles. I've had God do things in my life that are dr dramatic, 
and we, I know for sure, without a shadow of doubt, I have no doubt, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And I want to just say to you, Jesus did die on a cross for you. He was buried, and three days later, he did raise from the dead. And you have a choice, just as the Ninevites had a choice, to respond to God or not. They respond, responded, and they were rescued. You have that same choice, that opportunity. Jesus died for you. And if you accept the sacrifice he made for your sins, you can have your sins forgiven. Your life can be transformed. God will place his spirit inside you, give you a brand new start. You can follow after him. You can serve him. You can find your purpose in life. But it's the only way. He is the only way. And you have to make that choice. Today's your day. It's your moment. And if you would like Jesus to be your Savior, this is a time to say yes to him. And you can simply say this in prayer. Just all you have to do is say, say, dear God, I believe Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And that he died for my sins and he was buried and he conquered death. So Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, things that I know that I've done wrong and things that I'm not even aware of. I just ask that you cleanse my soul. I ask that you will help me to follow you from today on. And I choose you, Jesus. I choose you as my Savior. And I thank you. So from now on, from this day, I declare that I am a follower of Jesus. I am a Christian. And I believe in you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I invite you to go online to our, our website, ccanaheim.com. And will you there just um, let us know that you received Christ. And, uh, and we will send some information to you to help you in your walk with God as you do that. And Father, I pray for anyone here who, Lord, has been running from you. And they know exactly who they are. Lord, they'll stop. Lord, as you like the places and places where, Lord, we have no place else to go. Some people are right in the middle of this very tight spot in their life. And, Lord, because they, they, don't, they can't do anything about it. They're helpless. But, Lord, they're not hopeless if they'll turn to you. I pray, God, that each and every one of us will, will like Jonah, say, Lord, I will sacrifice to the Lord. I will worship him. I will be thankful. I choose you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We sing this together. Breathe on us, holy fire fall. Come fill this place with your presence. Like a rushing wind, send your spirit here breath of heaven breathe on us oh breathe on us holy fire fall come and fill this place with your presence like a rushing wind send your spirit here breath of heaven
Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your, but sing that again, lift it up, is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us. We worship you, Lord. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Presence like a rushing wind, send your spirit here. Breath of heaven, breathe on us. One more time, sing, breathe on us. Holy fire, fall. Come and fill this place with your presence like a rushing wind. Send your spirit here. Breath of heaven, breathe on us. God bless you, church. Be filled with the presence of God as you go. We'll see you Wednesday night for worship night, okay? Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Lift up your hands and shout, the Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing, he is holy. Come breathe on us. 